0: The following message is part of the preaching ministry of Berlin Baptist Church in Sally, South Carolina. We pray God's richest blessings for you as you study His Word. I want to make sure before we start that we pray. Not for your sake as much as mine. Um, And you'll see why. Father, I want to thank you for this morning and again. Lord, it's just another testimony of Your faithfulness to us that even in the dark and the cold and the cloudy, Lord, there is a day coming when Your sun will rise in front of us and that we will see and feel the warmth of this change of season that's trying to come up. And Lord, as I stand up here and I represent You, I pray that I would do so well, Lord, that I would only say those words that You would give me to say. And that if there is anything that I try to add, Lord, You would strike it from the memories of hearts and minds of these good people. I thank you for the message that is to come, and I pray, Lord, that it would bless and that it would challenge. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, before I start, I want to have one other announcement as well. Um, We have no services tonight, and so I want to make sure that you knew that. I think it's also in the bulletin, but just so I've said it as well, and that is inclusive of our youth in support of what the church is not going to be having services tonight, neither shall we. Alright? So we'll see you again on Wednesday after we finish this morning. I am going to be doing something that God and I have talked about the past couple of days, and it is something that I'm afraid I'm going to give you too much information. And as God and I talked about all the different things that we could do, I kept coming back to two chapters... Of scripture, now before before you start, oh no, I need you to understand the story that I want to tell you, I can't squish it into just a couple of verses. And so I, I'm going to be traveling quite fast, and I hope that you have your own Bible, and I hope that you have a pencil or a pen, and you can write in your bulletin or notebook or, or whatever is going to set you up for success. You can see we're going to be looking in the book of 2nd Kings 22 and 23. And I don't know about you, it may, it may just be me, but once you get past King David, it's like little 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 until we get to the New Testament. There's not a whole lot of clarity because the stories are not as much of what we know in mainstream Christianity. So it's important for me to uh, for you to understand where we are in the Bible. So I'm going to try and do this little recap in two minutes. Pastor Mike. As you know, at the beginning of the Bible, we had Adam and Eve. And he was created. They were created to be emissaries of the living God. If you go ahead and flip the slide. And then something went wrong. Adam and Eve made this decision that forever altered our course with the context of God. God. And so because of that sin, they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden and life began outside of what was supposed to be perfection. Well, go ahead and give me the next slide. As this progressed, it got so bad. Imagine that. So bad that God said, You know what? It grieves me that I made man and woman. We need to start over. And so for 40 days and 40 nights everything on the earth God created was destroyed except for Noah, his family, and two of every kind of stinky animal that could cram onto that ark. So God started over again. And after that was over, the idea was, okay, now. Now we can progress the way that it was supposed to be. But you and I both know it didn't progress that way. Sin continued and continued. Next slide. So then God's like, well, I'm going to go to Abraham. Abraham, I need you to stop what you're doing. I'm going to send you to a place, but I'm not going to tell you where it is. I'm going to have you do some stuff, but I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to have you do. And Abraham, by faith, followed. Do you remember this story? And God gave him some magnanimous promises. You're going to be the father of many nations your offspring are going to be greater than the number of the stars in the sky and the sand that's on the shore. God has a plan still. So then we go to the next slide. After Abraham, then we encounter Jacob. And I know that I'm giving you gaps, but you don't want me to cover all of those stories because we're not even to the one I'm going to talk about yet. And what is really interesting about Jacob is he underwent an identity change. Jacob means supplanter. That means someone who steals, who cheats. And God said, after they got finished wrestling, because Jacob wrestled with God, the angel of the Lord said, you are now called Israel. Now, we know Israel because there's a country named Israel, even in 2021. And so it's setting us up for, next slide, the 12 tribes of Israel. That's where that comes from. Jacob, who became Israel, had 12 sons. And these 12 sons each had their families and their families and their families. And pretty soon, there are 12 tribes that is comprised of what is called Israel. Well, that sounds really good. But then, next slide. They went into captivity. They became slaves. The 12 tribes of Israel became slaves and for X number of years... It was like God was silent. But then He heard the cries of His people, and He pulled Moses and said, Moses, go set My people free. And there was this whole big conversation between Moses and Pharaoh, and eventually the death angel came, killed all the firstborn of Egypt, and the Egyptians kicked them out and then chased them. They were on their way to the Promised Land. The 12 tribes of Israel. So Moses led them. They got to the promised land. Next slide. And eventually, after battle, after battle, after war, after war, after good things and bad things, a little shepherd boy kills Goliath and eventually becomes King David. And we know King David, we've heard a lot of his stories because he's a very prominent figure in the Old Testament but you may not know so much about his son. Next slide. You know Solomon? He's a wise guy. In all areas of life except one. He had hundreds of wives. He had hundreds of concubines. Now gentlemen, I I don't know about you, but I understand full well why God said this is your wife, not your wives." And so what happened with Solomon, as wise as he was, he took all of these women he's like, you know what, you used to worship that god? Uh, I don't think I'm supposed to do that. But okay. And he began to incorporate all of these other false gods into Israel. The mighty empire of Israel. And eventually, we see spiritual decay. Sounds like the United States of America at this very moment. We are so busy trying to be everyone else that we're not being ourselves. That's a whole different sermon. Next slide. Well, the twelve tribes of Israel that had been mighty, had stood together, had fought side by side, split when Solomon died. And instead of there being one king of Israel, and that's it, now there's a king of Israel and a king of Judah. So you have ten tribes in Israel left. Two tribes of the ten or excuse me of the twelve in Judah, and my friends, what you see is now parallel history being made, and sometimes you've got a good Israel king who's leading them back to God away from all the gods and goddesses of these different places. sometimes you have kings that are both taking them further away and so I'm going to kind of peel away from Israel and we're going to spend some time with Judah today. In the time when there were only those two tribes. Because there, were, uh, there was a king. Man, this guy was awesome. Hezekiah was his name. And he took all the junk and he fixed it. So that everyone is worshipping the one true God for the duration of his life. Hezekiah died. The next king came in. And we see this downward spiral. So much so, there was a king named Manasseh, who, I'm not even going to go into all the stuff he did. I want you to read through 2 Kings, and you will see, the dude was really bad. So much so, and I want you to hold on to King Manasseh just for a second, because what he did actually created a curse that even enters into the story we're talking about decades later. Well, as we're going down, 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 we have another gentleman, and... He had a son. Next slide. It's kind of a peculiar looking king, isn't it? A peculiar looking king that probably sat on the throne. His little feet are dangling, right? Josiah entered the picture as the king of Judah at age eight. That right there should tell you something has gone horribly wrong when you got an eight-year-old sitting on the throne. Well, it's because his father had been so bad, had fallen so far, he actually was assassinated. And that is what prompted Josiah to become the king. And this is where we start chapter 22. And so instead of reading the whole chapter in its entirety, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I grab verses, and I'm going to try and fill in the gaps. But I need you to go home and read it, read it. Not just listen to the little bits and pieces that I give you, because this story is very prominent. It's very important to where we are right now, and you'll see why. So King Josiah is now in charge. And I work with kids a lot, and kids are very impressionable, which means any of us can take an 8-year-old, and you can send them off in the right way, or you can send them off in the wrong way, because they listen, and they absorb, and they want to please the adults who are in charge of them. So let's look in chapter 22, starting in verse 1. Go ahead and slide. Josiah was 8 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother was, I don't know how to say that, Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah from Bozkath. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, and followed the example of his ancestor David. He did not turn away from doing what was right. So we already know kind of the ending of the story. Even with all the kings that are doing this over the course of Judah and Israel, we know from the beginning of this story, Josiah is going the right way. He was advised correctly. And he followed the example of his ancestor named David. We've already talked about David's story just very briefly so he didn't turn from what was right and he reigned 31 years beginning at age 8 next slide well in the 18th year he's already been on the throne 18 years so he is now 26 he's been fighting this cultural tug of war with all the nastiness of things that are going on. And he's trying to do what's right. He's trying to hold on to the fact that David had one God. And he had the temple. And in the temple, there was a very lined out thing, set of things in there that we do and we say, and this is what we don't do and this is what we don't say. But to that point, his efforts had not gone very far. Well, in the 18th year of his reign, he said, Mr. High Priest, Hilkiah, I want you to tell Shaphan, the court secretary, to go and clean up the temple of God, the temple of the Lord. And I want you to take a look at all the money that we collected from the people to pay for the renovations for this temple. We've got to make it like it was supposed to be. And so that's what you see in these verses. Hilkiah the high priest went, and Shaphan went, and they looked at all of everything that was going on, handed off the money, and in the process of them cleaning up the temple of God, there was a discovery made. They're walking around, I don't know who did it, it doesn't say... They discovered a scroll. Now, this is what their Bible would have looked like. This is what their Scriptures would have been in. Not a neat, nice book like we have or a tablet or anything like that. So people saw it like, well, okay, that's probably some relic from that long lost God that we don't really even hang out with anymore. So they opened it. And in this scroll... They began to read what was inside it. (gasps) This is the word of the Lord. How did we lose that? Where has it been? And so the secretary, excuse me, the high priest took it to the secretary and read it to him. Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the court secretary, I have found the book of the law in the Lord's temple. Then Hilkiah gave the scroll to Shaphan and he read it. Shaphan also told the king, Hokiah the priest has given me a scroll, and so then it's read to the king. So you see what we're doing. We find this. The high priest says, dude, you have got to read what this says. I can't believe that this has been lost all that time. Then the secretary takes it and runs back to the king. King, this God that you've been talking about, I found some of His words. When the king heard... What was written in the book of the law? The king. Not some random dude in the court. What does it say he did? Tore his clothes in despair. Can you picture that? If I were the king, what I say goes. I don't have to be upset about anything because I can have whatever I want, I can do whatever I want. And so all these people who are in the court listening to what is being read, and they're watching the king as his face becomes white and as the tears begin to form in his eyes, because all of the things that is being read to him, we're not doing. We're not following the word of God. And he gets so upset. He takes his kingly garments and he rips them. That's a big deal. And when everyone sees his reaction, well, something big is about to happen. Josiah says, You guys got to go to the temple and you got to find me somebody that still speaks to this God that we've been making reference to, but we evidently don't really know. Because I've got to know if this is real. If this is truth. And it says, go to the temple, speak to the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah. Inquire about the words written in this scroll that has been found. For the Lord's great anger is burning against us because our ancestors have not obeyed the words in this scroll. We have not been doing everything it says we must do. That's pretty fair, right? You find something like that. I need somebody to tell me if this is going to really happen, if this is where we are. Is this just some kind of old history document? Or what? Next slide. After they talked to the prophetess, it was a woman prophet. This is what she says. This is what the Lord says. I am going to bring disaster on this city and its people. All words written in the scroll that the king of Judah has read will come true. For my people have abandoned me and offered sacrifices to pagan gods. And I'm very angry with them for everything they have done. My anger will burn against this place and it will not be quenched. So, all of this is now playing out in the eyes and the ears of this entourage that went to the temple. And they see, yep, not only is it true, it's going to hit us right in the face. Not even because just what we did, but because of what my parents and my grandparents and my great-grandparents did. And it doesn't sound like it's going to end very well. Next slide. But go to the king who sent you to seek the Lord and tell him. This is what the Lord says. The God of Israel says concerning the message you have just heard. O King, you were sorry and humbled before the Lord when you heard what I said against this city and its people, that this land would be cursed and become desolate. You tore your clothing in despair and wept before me in repentance, and I have indeed heard you, says the Lord. So even with all the stuff that's going on, God heard and saw exactly what Josiah did. A young king. He was so upset by reading what they had not done, he ripped his clothes and God said, I see that. And God further says, so I am not going to send the promised disaster until after you have died and have been buried in peace. You will not see the disaster I am going to bring on this city. So if I'm King Josiah... Okay. His mind became divided. His heart became divided between being joyful that I'm not going to get wrapped up in the stuff that was just read because I responded correctly to God's correction. But the other side of him is looking out his palace window and seeing men and women and boys and girls that very well could be here when God unleashes His justice for the sins of now, sins of the past. And so he has two choices. Well, I can continue my reign here and I can just kind of go with the status quo. God's in my corner and I'm going to make sure the people are in my corner. I freaked out a little bit, I know. I got a little emotional. But it's okay. I don't have anything to worry about. He didn't do that. Because Josiah had a relationship with God. And he knew that even when God says something like that, it's like God wants so badly to extend that hand of mercy. But right now, that hand of justice is out here to get rid of all the sins. That Josiah is like... If if maybe, maybe, maybe if we kind of get our act together in that same heart change that I felt when I read this, if all the people, if if they have the same reaction, maybe God will withdraw that hand of judgment. My friends, Josiah, went bonkers. Let's see what happened. Next slide. Josiah... Said, you know what? We're going we're to renew the covenant with God. We're going to start over. I want you to get every person in front of my window, in front of the temple, and we are going to start over and we are going to wail and we are going to show God that, you know, I'm, I, we're sorry and we want to renew this covenant that He had made with Israel slash Judah. But before that's going to have any kind of meaning, like I said, He went crazy. He went to the temple with a capital T. The place where the presence of God was supposed to be. And look what he did. He went to the Holy of Holies. That's the place that we can't go. Only the high priest can go there once a year. And it's like he took every article, everything thing. Every statue out of the temple of God. How it got in there, nobody even knows. He removed all the pagan articles from the temple. He removed the priests. There were people in the temple who were there on behalf of not Yahweh God, but all of these other gods which we're going to look at. How is that even possible? Because you and I know there is only one God. And yet, the people in this particular time decided, no, we're going to incorporate every God that we can and we're going to stuff them into this place that's supposed to belong to the one God. Removed all the idolatrous priests. Removed the Asherah pole from the temple. Asherah was one of the goddesses of that time. And she had a particular emblem that signified who she was, what she represented, and where her followers were to gather. One of those was in the church. Friends, it's like me taking the satanic verses, which is the satanic Bible, and I put it here on this altar right next to the Word of God. That's what we're talking about. Do you understand why Josiah was so upset? No wonder God is upset with us. How has He not already wiped us off the map? He tore down... The quarters, the places where prostitutes lived in the temple of God. Not just women, men and women. Because part of what worship, quote unquote, was back in the day for these other gods and goddesses had a sexual tendency to them. And the thought was, if I can go and have sexual relations with one of the prostitutes, that is by proxy me having sexual relations with the god or the goddess. Not Yahweh. That's not what I'm saying. But these others. Do you see how twisted and how dark and how ungodly that is? And this was in the temple. Oof. Not only did Josiah... Remove those things from the temple. He went from place to place to place outside Jerusalem in the countryside. And He not only tore down the altars to these other gods, He defiled them. Defile means to take something quote, holy and make it quote, unholy. Defied and destroyed pagan shrines. Destroyed the altars of Baal, Moloch, and Chemosh. Those are the gods we're talking about. Baal, well, I'm not going to go into all that. These are the false gods that were prevalent among the Canaanites. And they were prevalent among the Ammonites and the Moabites. And all of these groups of people that were not the people of God. But because everyone had intermarried for so long and everyone wanted to be all inclusive, we're going to bring all of this stuff into the temple of the one God. Burned the pagan chariot and horse statues that previous kings, Josiah's grandfather, had made those, particularly in worship of the sun. What? Get rid of them, Josiah said smashed the sacred pillars of paganism. Went to a different place. There's some of those pillars. Tear them down. Grind them up. Burn them. Executed pagan priests on their own altars. Dude, that's pretty hardcore, right? Oh, you want to have an altar to a false god? That's fine. You're going to die on it. And I hope you believe in that God you've been serving because you're going to be sacrificed to him or her and then we'll see where you end up. Do you see how when Josiah tore his clothes and was so upset, he could have said, not my problem, I'm just going to kind of go and I'm just going to kind of rule. Josiah said, no! We are the people of God and we need to start acting like it. And this is what he did. Next slide. Look what else he did. He went around. Any spiritual mediums, any psychics, any other detestable practices that did not fall in line with Levitical law. He destroyed it. He killed it. He burned it. He did something so that it no longer had relevance in society. Josiah was quite a leader. And remember, he started out at age 8. And all of this stuff is unfolding when he's in his 20s. Dude's still young. Why? Because can you imagine if Pastor Mike or myself, if he or I started going out into Wagner and in Lexington and we see strip club And we go destroy it. Or we take down all the different servers of pornography. Are we going to be popular? No. So Josiah took a very big chance. Remember, his dad had been assassinated. Not even for good things. Now he's trying to do what's right. And even though he could have been assassinated himself. Even though the people... Hated him because everyone's making money off these gods and goddesses, and everyone is getting to be what they want to be by serving these gods and goddesses. And Josiah said, No, not on my watch. But why? In verse 24b of the next chapter, chapter 23, see how we've already gone through 22, Joshua 23. Josiah did this in obedience to the laws written in the scroll that Hilkiah the priest had found in the Lord's temple did Josiah fear man or God pretty good right and so go back one and so as I look at this and by no means am I a king. By, by any stretch. But God has given me places where my influence carries. Whether it's in this church. Whether it's in First Baptist of Lexington where I work. And I take the example of Josiah. And then I look at my example. And I try to, to see where, where is the connection. Am I doing anything like that? The hack and slash that Josiah did in protection of the country of Israel, in protection of the covenant they had just re entered, or am I one of the. I'm just going just to bide my time, not make any waves. You know, I want people to like me and respect me and all that. I didn't, I didn't find many connections with Josiah, unfortunately. Because it's so much easier to kind of stay below the radar instead of going out and blowing up buildings and all kinds of stuff because those things are considered to be unclean. But what I want us to focus on this morning in your life in 2021 is what are you doing? What does your throne room look like? Because the New Testament says, where is the temple of God? We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so my friends, whenever I look at what's going on in the New Testament, and then I look at what's happened in the Old Testament, it made me stop and I close my eyes just for a minute and look around. What does the temple of God in me look like? Does it have stuff from all of these false gods all throughout it? Does it have any of the junk that we just described that Josiah went in unapologetically and ejected? From what is supposed to be holy, that's what we're supposed to be. What was it that prompted Josiah's change of heart? Not even change of heart, but he I got to get up and do something. He heard what? He heard the word of God. Now, we are a small Baptist church in the middle of a small community in a relatively small state what is it going to matter if we hear the word of God is it going to do anything to us some of you may have this scripture memorized and that's wonderful but if it doesn't cause you to tear your clothing we're not We're not in the right place spiritually. According to tradition. According to history. And research. This particular group of scriptures. That would have been found on this scroll. Would have been a portion of the book of Deuteronomy. Have you read Deuteronomy? (laughs) It's not the pleasant uplifting. It does have that string of hope that goes through it. But it's God saying, these are my expectations of you. Not because I'm trying to be some killjoy, but because I want your society to be healthy. I want you to thrive. And when you follow the rules that I have, you're going to thrive. So I'm going to read for you, just like Josiah did, the entirety of the Ten Commandments. And my prayer has been that you will not get up out of this place the same. I want the Spirit of God to weigh heavily on you as it has me. I want the Spirit of God to take you out of that little comfortable area where I live in America and I don't have to put up with all of this. No. I want the Spirit of God in your business. Because I love you, number one. But number two... We're just going to keep treading water until we do just like Josiah did. And that is we take our inventory of ourselves, inventory of our church, inventory of our community, and we do something. Moses called all the people of Israel together and said, listen carefully, Israel. Hear the decrees and regulations I'm giving you today so you may learn them and obey them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Mount Sinai. The Lord did not make this covenant with our ancestors, but with all of us who are alive today. At the mountain, the Lord spoke to you face to face from the heart of the fire. I stood as an intermediary between you and the Lord, for you were afraid of the fire and did not want to approach the mountain. He spoke to me and I passed His word on to you. This is Moses talking. This is the Scripture in Deuteronomy. This is what He or God said. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt. The place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but Me. You must not make for yourselves an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children to the third and fourth generations of those who reject Me. But, I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations, not three or four, a thousand generations on those who love Me and obey My commandments. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse His name. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. And on that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, your oxen, your donkeys, your other livestock, and any other foreigners living among you. All your male and female servants must rest as you do. Remember, the Lord your God, excuse me, remember, you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded. You two rest on the Sabbath day. Honor your father and your mother, as the Lord your God commanded you. Then you will live a long and full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. You must not covet your neighbor's wife. You must not covet your neighbor's house or land, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Wow. Now, I don't know for a fact this is what was read to King Josiah. I don't know that this is what was on the scroll that was somehow lost in the temple of God among all the other junk that had been put in there that didn't belong to the Lord God. But whatever it was, it cut Josiah to his very core. So much so that he pretty much sacrificed the remainder of his rule as king. To take what was wrong and to make it right. You've now seen the Ten Commandments. And if you do more than simply say, check that off the list. If you think about what it means that we are to have no other gods before Him, that should hurt because we got them. They're everywhere. Our TV is our God. Our cell phones is a God. The things that we go out and that we do habitually can become our gods. But we don't think about that because we're comfortable and we're safe. And what do you mean God's going to get mad at me? My friends, God is merciful, thankfully. But He still has demands of us. Because He knows TV is not going to lead you to where you need to be. Your cell phone is not going to take you. Not going to take care of you as a follower. He will. And any of these other ones. Using the Lord's name in vain. We automatically assume that means adding God to a four letter word. Okay. Yeah. But that also means if I go out and I tell people or I show people that I'm supposed to be a follower of Christ and yet my actions or my words do not reflect the character of God, I have used His name incorrectly. Or when out of nowhere, I'm like, oh my God! Are you really talking to Him? Or are you just saying that to accentuate your surprise? I'm telling you, if you you look in those Deuteronomy verses... And it doesn't wreck you? The devil's got you like this. Or you simply don't care. I don't know which one. And understand, I say that because that's what God and I are wrestling with now. Putting this together, smack me around. And I wanted to smack you around too. God's good at that. Hey, I love you. I'm going to hit you in the head anyway because you've got to get your stuff straight. What does your temple look like? If God were to walk through your heart, which He does, in His throne room, the very core of your existence, is He going to see these emblems that belong to false gods and not to Him? Is He going to see decorations that have been put up in His throne room that have nothing to do with Him? Or is He going to be able to go in and sit down on the throne of your heart, and kind of go, this is my son, or this is my daughter. Friends, I need you to take an inventory this week, not just this morning, where you forget about it when you go have Mexican. I want this to stick to you. And I want you and God to go through your throne room like you are cleaning out a house. What are the pagan gods you have t- that have taken residence in your temple? And in the surrounding country. Because remember, not only did Josiah clean out the temple, he went all around the whole country and got rid of stuff. And I'm talking about not only in the temple of God, which is you, but the surrounding country. What's going on at your house? What do you got going on in your car? What's happening with you at work? That is the surrounding country. And Josiah had no mercy. He didn't say, well, only if you live in Jerusalem am I going to make these kind of changes. No. That's the expectation of God. you know that? If you, want to use, if you want to be a follower of God and you want to have your life front and center in His will, the way that you do that is by accomplishing what you see on these screens. You're going to find impurities. What are you going to do about it? That's alright, you know what, I'm covered under the blood of Jesus. I don't have to make any changes because all I have to do is ask Jesus to forgive me and then all of the sin is gone. That is a theologically true statement. However, God doesn't let us off the hook like that. As much as He loves us, and as much as He wants to lavish that mercy on you, He's not going to say, well, I'm just going to pretend like I don't see All of the junk that's cluttering up my throne room, I have to step over things just to get to... Wait, there's something sitting on the throne of your heart. Why is that? Or are you going to tear your clothes? Is it going to hit you hard enough? I don't care what society tells you. I don't care what TV tells you. Are you going to look at this reflection in the Bible of God and see... Oh man, I am all messed up. I am so messed up. That is a sign of despair and anguish and grief. That's why Josiah did it. Some people even do that. God, I'm really sorry. I know I messed this up, and I've got this going on, and I don't even like talk to you during the week. But when I come to church on Sunday, it's you and me. No, 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 no. You could tear your clothes. Just like Josiah did, but then he could have said, okay, go get me another change of clothes. Put them back on, you still sit down on the throne. Josiah got up and he didn't just hide the impurities, that's what we try to do. He didn't just ignore the impurities, he destroyed them. Ground them up. Burned them. Defiled them. That is how badly he wanted to be lined up with the Lord God. And I think God knew that. And that's why He said... Yep, there's going to be all kind of havoc that's going to be wreaked because of your grandfather, Manasseh. All the things that went on there, is going to, this country is going to fall. But I'm going to protect you because your heart is contrite. Because your heart is something that I can take and I can mold and make because I don't have all this other junk all over it. I hope. That when you and God are struggling through this because that's my prayer I don't know how nice that is but it's necessary you can't grow unless you take what's staring you in the face and you call it what it is then you get rid of it and if when you are taking that inventory you get to a place where you need some encouragement you got a pastor who's up, up and running again. Message me. I'll be honest with you. But, I'll also encourage you to walk alongside you as you clean house like Josiah did. We can't be like the world. We want to be and it's easy. And it's even kind of fun because we gather all this stuff up and we try to stuff it inside where there's supposed to be only one and then we get mad at God because He, he doesn't do anything for me. Why do you to clean house? Then you'll see the God of Abraham, Isaac. Same God. Take your life and put it back together for you. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this message from God's Word.